Are you ever listening to a song and you hear something in there that sounds kind of familiar? You can't put your finger on it, but you think, where have I heard that before? Well, I want you to listen to this one drum solo that does that better than anything else. Here it is. Maybe you'll recognize it slowed down. And now this is what it sounds like sped up. So if any of this sounds familiar, it's because you've almost certainly heard it. This six-second drum solo is the most sampled loop of all time. It's known as the Amen Break. Artists from hip-hop, rock, pop, dubstep, heavy metal, they have all used the Amen Break in their songs. Entire genres of dance music are basically built around this drum solo. And all of this is thanks to one rushed recording session back in the 60s and a Bronx DJ who disappeared. I'm Drew Beebe, and this is Great Big Story. Today, the Amen Break, and how it came to be used in thousands of songs. Today's story comes from producer Dave Yim. I want to start our story in the Bronx, New York. 1980s. Well known as the birthplace of hip-hop. Mid-80s music scene started to become a little more saturated with what we call now as rap music. That's Luis Flores. A.K.A. Break B. Lou, Bronx bass, DJ producer. I would say 1981, 82, an influx of rap records were being released by independent record companies. At this time, Lou was a young DJ. He was actually still a teenager. And he would go to these events called record pools. Instead of making DJs go from record company to record company to pick up new releases... The companies felt it was a little easier to have one hub to send the records to, and the DJs would go specifically there. This is where Lou would meet a man named Lenny Roberts, and they struck up a conversation. The subject was rap music at the beginning. We were talking about how records were being produced. And a lot of these new rap records were using electronic drum machines. So Lou and Lenny started talking about the kind of music that they loved. And then the music subject turned into original 60s and 70s records. I've been DJing since 74. So the records that he was familiar with, I was also familiar with also. So that's how him and I created that bond. Lenny realized that he and Lou weren't the only ones who loved these older funk, soul, and R&B records. There were young DJs who were playing them, too. He started seeing that these kids were appreciating music that was not being played on the radio. So he was like, hey, these are records that I listen to, but they're using them slightly different. That gave Lenny an idea. He would produce compilations, a collection of different songs that DJs could use in their sets. And so Lenny created Street Beat Records. The reason these were created is to give the second generation of DJs the proper tools and the proper ingredients to maintain this culture that we know as hip-hop. Again, Lou was only 16 years old at the time. Lenny, who was in his 30s, handled most of the business. But he trusted Lou, and they formed a partnership. My role 
at the beginning was to help him select the records because I was a collector like, like he was. And then I started becoming the editor and the extender and the recording engineer for these particular records. In order to make these compilations, Lenny and Lou would compile lists of the best beats. We was like, what are the strongest foundation beats that we can find to describe the vast genres of music that are involved in the culture? These were songs like Do the Funky Penguin by Rufus Thomas. Mary Mary by the Monkees. But there was one song that stuck out above all the rest. Amen Brother by the Winstons. Let's rewind. Back to 1969. There's this band called the Winstons from Washington, D.C. They're in the studio recording their first album. Well, it would turn out to be their only album. They were almost done. They had the lead single, Color Him Father. But they needed a B-side for that single. The band had played with legendary soul singer Curtis Mayfield. And he did a version of a traditional gospel song. Called Amen. But the Winstons had their own instrumental version of this song that they had played live at dance clubs. So the lead singer and band leader, Richard Spencer, said, let's just do that for the album. They had been working on this album for a while. And according to Spencer, the band members were getting kind of tired and grumpy. So they just banged out the recording in about 10 minutes. You have heavy rhythm on the guitar and the organ. This really active bass line. Horns doing the vocal part of Amen. And the drummer was this 25-year-old guy named Gregory G.C. Coleman. He was playing this really driving drum part, and at a minute and 20 seconds into the song, he takes a solo. We don't really know whose idea it was to do this drum break. Richard Spencer says it was his idea, but some of the other members have said that it was completely G.C. Coleman. At any rate, there it was. The song continues. It's only two minutes and 32 seconds long. And Richard Spencer decides to rename their version Amen Brother. The single Color Him Father went on to become a top 40 R&B hit, and it even won a Grammy Award. But Amen Brother was just kind of a filler track. Despite all this success, the Winstons didn't really get much attention. They had a hard time getting gigs. Also, the success kind of threw off the dynamic of the band. So, a year after the album came out, the band broke up. Fast forward back to the Bronx. Lou was editing a copy of Amen Brother. And he isolated out the drum solo. The drum break is probably one of the most organic, larger-than-life, big-presence style of drums. The way the drums are tuned, the way they are played, the way the hi-hat is going is real soft but real rhythmic. And the way the kick is hit is hard, he's like a heavy leg, the snare is snapping in your face. There's so many depths to this particular drag. There's nothing else like it. And while he was editing it, he slowed down the beat. 
you recorded the beat out of 33. 33 revolutions per minute on a vinyl record. And then we edited it back and put it back at the regular speed. Which is 45 revolutions per minute. By slowing it down on 33, it gives it an extra decay and an extra bigness, if there is a word, to the drum break itself. From the beginning, we were already shaping how the culture was innovative. After licensing all the music for the compilations, they decided to name it Ultimate Breaks and Beats, and they released it into the world. And where it goes from here is pretty amazing. When we come back with producer Dave Yim, Lou will be faced with a tough decision. The Amen break takes on a life of its own, and we'll learn what happened to the Winstons. Stay with us on Great Big Story. I'm Dr. Sanjay Gupta, CNN's chief medical correspondent. This week on Chasing Life... I'm a health reporter and have been for 15 years. And even I feel overwhelmed by some of the things I read about the stuff we're eating. My colleague Meg Terrell wanted to take a deep dive into something you've probably heard a lot about recently. Ultra-processed foods. There is a lot to learn there, some fascinating stuff. And some of it is probably going to change the way you shop. Listen to Chasing Life wherever you get your podcasts. We're back with the story of the most sampled loop in music history, the Amen Break. Producer Dave Yim will take it from here. With ultimate breaks and beats out into the world, the Amen Break started to appear in more and more hip-hop songs. The first person that I know that made it famous by sampling was Mantronic on The King of the Beats. And in 1986, with Salt and Pepper's "My Desire," Yo, wait a minute. I won't talk to My rap is not a joke for us. It's a And of course, in 1988, with "Straight Outta Compton." N.W.A. Straight Outta Compton is straight out Amen, brother. If you look at the excitement of and and the the, the message that record was sending. I don't think any other drum break could have made it the way it was. In hip-hop, the slowed-down Amen break was the foundation for a lot of these early records. But across the Atlantic in London, you had something totally different going on. These British DJs in the rave and club scene were looking to the U.S. for inspiration. And they developed these genres called jungle and drum and bass which were almost entirely based on sampling the Amen break. It took a life in itself, let's say like 91, 92, with the drum and bass in England. The energy of the record in itself, it just gave the presence of, you know, let's dance and let's lose control. And it was something that was huge, and it's because of that drum break. Back in the U.S., Street Beat Records continued to put out new volumes of Ultimate Breaks and Beats. At the same time, Lou was working in other areas of the music industry. Marketing, promotion, sales. But after releasing 25 compilations, Lenny and Lou decided to call it quits in 1994. However, shortly after in 1996, Lenny passed away. And at that point, Lou had become a dad. He was at a place in his life where working in the music business wasn't fulfilling anymore. 
For him, it was cutthroat and downright toxic. 1994, I started seeing changing of the guards. The music started becoming a little more um, selfish. It became a cesspool. A lot of integrity was not involved into it anymore. There was no way I would have been able to survive. So I decided to leave. And I went into real estate first, and then I went into the banking business. Lou would essentially retire from the music industry. But the influence of the Amen break continued. With the advent of computers, the DJs of the drum and bass music scene broke down the Amen break into its individual components. With these raw materials, producers would make all kinds of different beats. Like this track by jungle producer Lemon D. There were also these electronica acts that were pretty experimental, and they pushed the Amen break almost to the point of absurdity. Producers like Square Pusher. And as time went on, you would see the Amen break pop up in a real variety of places. You know, you have classic rockers like Little Wonder by David Bowie. Heavy metal songs like Eyeless by Slipknot. It's even in the theme song to the show Futurama. It's in TV commercials and movie soundtracks, all making use of the Amen break. According to the online database Who Sampled, which is sort of like a Wikipedia for music sampling, Amen Brother has been used in nearly 4,500 different songs. The most sampled loop in history. The question, of course, is where are the Winstons in all this? Hello? So I got in touch with Richard Spencer, the band leader. 1969, I was with a group called the Winstons. It was a very unfriendly breakup, actually. And so we went out separate ways, uh, which... To me, it was very disappointing. Richard left the music business after the breakup of the band, and he kind of put that chapter of his life behind him. And according to Richard, he's received hardly any royalties from the usage of Amen Brother. I was 26 years old when Color and Father came out. I didn't know the business. I didn't know what I had coming. And G.C. Coleman, the drummer of the Winstons, died in 2006. Richard hadn't seen him since the breakup of the band, but he learned that he was broke and homeless at the time of his death. And Richard sees their story as part of a pattern. You know, Black American music has historically been appropriated into wider popular culture without paying due to the original artists. Black people's contribution to music is that we create it. We don't get paid for it. Other people make money off of it. And so it's not that unusual. It goes all the way back to the minstrel shows, you know, when white people start putting blackface on and make the money as black folks. Rock and roll is just blackface, you know. Even with everything that's gone wrong with the Winstons and Amen Brother, Richard still looks back fondly on his younger years playing music. We loved it. It was our escape. I mean, there was no, there was no way else for us to go except to go into the music business. 
and try to cut away for yourself. We were somebody for a few minutes. You know, it was all we had, man. We loved it. I loved it. Uh, it gave me purpose. It gave me hope. And so what about Lou Flores? I met up with him in the Bronx, and he wanted to show me where he used to work with his former partner. Here is where the true birthplace of Ultimate Breaks and Beats. Here's where's the residence of Mr. and Mrs. Lenny Roberts. I used to come here many Sundays and bring records, and here was the, where the list was compiled. Lenny was more than just a mentor or a partner. At times, he was like a brother. At times, he was like a father. Having retired from the music industry, the recognition of Lou's contributions to early hip-hop faded. But in the late 2000s, people started to get interested in that early hip-hop culture again. And they wanted to know the people behind Ultimate Breaks and Beats, which was such an influential compilation. People knew Lenny because Lenny was mainly the guy that was delivering records and, and he was also a record dealer. But the name Louis Flores behind the records, people did not know who he was. Lou's name was in the credits, but a lot of people thought it was just a made-up name and that Lou wasn't even a real person. But as conversation started, Lou was eventually pulled back into hip-hop culture. I had no idea of the appreciation for the compilation had become and the appreciation for Lenny and myself. Everybody started realizing that there was two people, actual people that were behind this, not just one person and a fictitious name on the label. So then when they found out I was a DJ, also, then they were like, also come back and DJ. And I was like, nah, I was, I was working in the bank. I was happy to see what I was doing. However, Lou was eventually convinced to come back to DJing. He had matured from his younger years in the industry. And there was a newfound respect for his founding generation of hip hop. It's just been a, a snowball effect of just the appreciation for what we contributed to the culture. It is humbling, it is mind-boggling, and, and is, it brings a certain amount of pride that we were able to become a part of music history. This story was from producer Dave Yim. After leaving the music business, Richard Spencer went back to school. He was close to getting his doctorate in political science, but instead he prioritized raising his son. He's also worked as a teacher and as a writer. In 2015, a DJ in the UK named Martin Webster learned about Richard's story and started a GoFundMe campaign. They've since raised over $30,000. The fundraiser is still accepting donations. In 2010, Breakbeat Lou started DJing again. He's gone on tour and he's been producing records in the studio. You can check out a video of the Amen Break featuring Breakbeat Lou at greatbigstory.com. The Great Big Story podcast is a production of Great Big Story and CNN Audio. This episode was produced by Dave Yim. Additional production by Jonathan O'Byrne, Shelby Boma, and Jocelyn Contreras. Our executive producers are Sadie Bass and Megan Marcus. Francisco Monroy is our engineer. Special thanks to Katie Hinman and Ashley Lusk. Courtney Coop is our vice president of digital productions and Ashley Codiani is our Vice President of Brand and Digital Strategy. We'll be back with another story next week. I'm Drew Beebe. Thanks for listening.